You're now listening to Hack and Grow Rich with Shaheen Shayan and his co-host, Bart Baggett, where we discuss hacking your way to success and the unconventional paths to unreasonable success with the people who've been there. And now, the author of Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, Shaheen Shayan. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We have Shaheen Chan with us today, all the way from Venice. Now, there's a lot of things that Shaheen does. It juggles a lot, and I probably can't uh, go through the entire list, but he's an entrepreneur, he's an author, a filmmaker, an inventor. He's a startup founder, brain nutrition, accelerated intelligence, herbal ecstasy, and so much more. So let's hear, uh, let's welcome Shaheen and then hear from him. So welcome, Shaheen. Hi, Rajiv. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So looks like you really do juggle a lot. So why don't you tell us in your own words what you're all about? So immigrant family came here during the 1970s, the fall of the Shah in Iran, came to the United States as refugees, didn't speak a word of English. By the time I was 15, I decided, you know what? I got to get out of here. I want to make money. I saw all this wealth around me, all this success, but none for me. So I thought, man, I want the the Porsche and the beautiful girlfriend and the big house and all those great things. So I went to ask my parents, Rajiv, and I said, hey, you know, how do you get that? How do you get wealth? And of course, being an immigrant family, my parents immediately went to the only place that all immigrants go which is, you must become a doctor. You go, you become doctor. This is the only way to success is doctor. What do you mean, doctor? And I said, what? They said, yes, go talk to Mr. Ironi across the street. He's very successful. He's doctor. And I said, oh, fuck. All right, let me go talk to that guy. And I went to talk to that guy. And that guy didn't look good. He didn't look healthy. He didn't look happy. And I started talking to the guy and I started to learn some things. I learned that his house did not belong to him. The bank owned it. The bank owned his car. His wife also was not happy. The kids also were not happy. This guy was selling his hours. He would wake up at five in the morning, go into a job that he hated and come back at night to wife screaming, kids screaming and rap and repeat. He had found the hamster wheel. He had found his gold-plated prison. And I looked at that and I had the foresight to see, dude, I don't want any part of that. So I left. I left home. I abandoned friends, family, everything. I had no money, nowhere to live and effectively went to sleep on the beach. I was like, you know what? I'm out. And during that time, there was a rave scene that was happening in Los Angeles, a a big, big, excuse me, electronic music scene. I'm going to take a drink here. Mm-hmm. Just recovering from COVID. So the electronic music scene was huge. It was massive. There, there was electronic music everywhere. I thought, wow, this is perfect. And I learned how to get into the parties. And I started watching them looking for a business model. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't do any of that stuff. I was interested in the money behind the music. And what I learned was, that the majority of people in these events weren't making money. What was making money was one specific category. You guess what it is, Rajiv? What is it? 
It was the drug dealers. <laughs> Drugs were flourishing and they were subsidizing thousands and thousands of people coming out every night until the morning, morning hours having these parties. So what did I do? I decided, you know what? I'm going to become a drug dealer. This is spectacular. I can just sell drugs. It's easy. It's great. It's, it solves all my problems. I want the fancy car. I get the pretty girl. I get all the stuff. But then I looked back and I realized that I would not be very good at crime. I know this from being a self-reflective human being that every time I tried crime in my adolescence, I would get caught. And then it appeared to me, Shaheen, if you could invent a version of the most popular party drug at that time, something that's legal, something that's natural, something that would duplicate the effects of ecstasy, which was the most popular drug at that time, mm -hmm. you could make a killing. And that's what I did. I managed to get myself a girlfriend. Her dad was like the superintendent, accountant, something of some big school district. So he would leave early in the morning. She would sneak me in through the back as he left through the front. And then what I would do is I would cook up prototypes in her kitchen all day. And we would give them to the teenagers in the neighborhood until I got a formula that worked. And my plan was I would go into the club at night, I would walk up to the drug dealers, and I would convince them to sell my product. And that's what I did. And believe it or not, it worked. And it went from one guy to 10 guys to 10,000 guys. And we were selling all over the world. These guys became legitimized. I made more millionaires in that time than anybody in the electronic music scene. And from there, we got, we became, we became legitimized. So we got into brick and mortar. I was in 30,000 stores. We were all over the world. And I remember I had a collection of exotic cars and I had fallen asleep drooling on the seat of my Lamborghini. It was a beautiful car, brand new, gorgeous. And I, I stumbled into my office, like, what the fuck is going on today? Everybody's staring at me. My receptionist, like pale faced and the news had made it out. The news broke that we had made over a billion dollars in revenue, pre-internet, pre-social media, pre-cell phones, a billion dollars. Sam Donaldson with Nightline was outside waiting to interview me. Montel Williams wanted to fly me to New York. We had two Newsweek covers, LA Times, cover of Details Magazine. We were it. And I was a teenage kid. And I remember the first thought that came to my mind, Rajiv, was, holy fuck, I don't know how much a billion dollars is, literally. Is it 100 million, 1,000 million, 50 million? I got to figure this out. And I had a little panic attack. And then my second thought, Rajiv, was, does this mean I'm going to have to get an actual accountant? And I learned a very important lesson. And I'd like to share this with the Plan B success entrepreneurs. And I think it's something very important for everybody to know, that accountants are not the guys that count the cash in the duffel bags that are piled into your office. I learned that the hard way when I started realizing what accountants actually do. But though that was the life I lived in those days. Exotic cars, flying everywhere, private planes, boats. I had all of that stuff. And we had bags and bags. It was a cash business. I was making this stuff for 25 cents. And we were selling it for $20. 
We went on tour with Lollapalooza. We were everywhere. And it was an amazing ride. And from there, I went on to invent the Vapeer digital vaporization, what now is the standard for all the vape technology that you see. All that came out of my patents and my technology. Uh, that company went public. From there, I went on to researching this little unknown guy uh, that you might have heard of, this guy named Jeff Bezos. Mm -hmm. And Bezos was very accessible in the pre-internet days. And I remember we got news through the grapevine that Bezos was opening up the Amazon platform to third-party sellers, enabling third-party sellers like you and me to sell on there. So I had a brain supplement at the time. It was called Accelerol. We still sell it. There's another one called Focus Plus that we make, spectacular. But it was expensive. It was about $120. And I remember thinking to myself, man, how do I sell this? Man, I'll put it up on Amazon. Took me 15 minutes, very easy in those days. There was no questions. You open up a seller account and you list. I did that. And I woke up in the morning to thousands of orders. And I stopped everything I was doing. And I said, you know what? Let me look into this Bezos character. Who is this Jeff Bezos? Turns out he's not a chump. Turns out he's one of the smartest guys in the room, one of the most brilliant minds of our time, creating an e-commerce disruptor that was going to change the world. And I went on to focus exclusively on Amazon, to learn all the tricks, to master selling on Amazon. And that's what I've done now. And now I teach a course, by the way, for any Plan B entrepreneur students, if you mention Rajiv or you mention Plan B, email me directly. I've got a one-hour course. I teach everything from A to Z, how to find a product. How do, you, how do you even discover a product to sell if you don't have one? If you have one, is it a good idea to sell that product? I'm sure a lot of people have product ideas. They just don't know how to get them out there into the world. How do you create a company? How do you sell that product? How do you effectively do it on the Amazon platform so people see you on that first page. And that's normally $200, Rajiv. I'm going to give it to every Plan B success member who emails me and mentions Rajiv or Plan B for free. Zero credit card, zero obligation. You will never hear from me if you don't want to. And that email is D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com or go to fbasellercourse.com. FBA, of course, for fulfillment by Amazon and reach out to me there. Awesome. Awesome. So let me take you a step back. So that, that was that was quite a whirlwind tour that you gave us. So what uh, what's your background? You know, uh, how did you kind of get into coming up with all these concoctions? I have no background. I have a background in no bullshit. I have a background in school of hard knocks. I have a background in sleeping in the backseat of a car and eating ketchup for a month until I made shit happen. That's my background. My background is going and knocking on doors until enough people said no to me that I knew that the next one was going to say yes. That's my background. That's amazing. Yeah. I was, I was 15 years old when I dropped out of school. I don't even, I, I have a grade school education. When you, when you went down this path of coming up with, uh, you know, some of these uh, uh, legalized, uh, you know, uh, the drugs that you do, that you put together, which were legal, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Did you have to explain yourself to, to, the, uh, to the lawmakers or anybody else anywhere that any stumbles that you had while you went through this process? 
Yeah, that's a good question. People don't usually ask me that. So I was a kid. I was 15. Imagine 15 years old. Do you have kids, Rajiv? Yes, I do. How old are your kids? 18 and uh, 13. Okay. Imagine your 13 year old two years from now leaving home with yeah. no contact, no support from you and starting a business that's going to generate a billion dollars. Maybe because mm -hmm. it's your kid, it'll happen. Hopefully he won't leave home, but, but that's who I was. And the fact that Look, I think our kids are going to be different. I also have an eight-year-old son because our kids are, are growing up in the ultimate luxury. They're growing up in ultimate comfort. And so they're going to have to figure out a way to develop grit and to develop discipline in their lives. But for me, I was thrust into the world and discipline came from wanting to eat. Literally, I would not eat unless I was able to go out there and make a sale. So what became a necessity for me was being the best at whatever it was that I was doing. It was 100%. My ships were burned. There was no alternative for me. Going back was not an option. And that's why when I went out there, sure, I, more people said no to me than said yes but it was just check them off the list. That's fine. Next, every time a door closes, a window opens, I'll go through the window. I'll go through the back door. It doesn't matter what it takes. And I remember, I'll tell you a story. I remember I had an idea and I walked into this attorney's office and it was some big stuffy attorney and he, his secretary had made an appointment for me and I was in there and she brought me a coffee. And mind you, I hadn't made any money yet. And I walked in and I gave him the idea and I wanted to get a license for a trademark that they had. And it was a, it was a dying trademark and it was going to expire soon. And I thought it would be a good idea. And the guy moved everything from his desk and spent a solid 15 minutes talking down to me, telling me, what are you doing in my office? You're just a kid. Why are you wasting my time? You don't even have a company. How, what do you mean you want to make a supplement? What are you talking about? Only companies do that. Go to school, get an education, go to business school, and maybe in 20 years, you can see if you want to do that, and you'll have money then, and maybe you can do it then, but now get out of my office. And I remember being in that elevator. Also, being a person of color in America, being a immigrant, also added a whole nother level of complexity to that because mm -hmm. people treat you differently, especially people that are like in, in these positions of power where they can exert their power over you. So, and he said something to me, like a lot of the conversation was, was around like, where are you from? Why don't you go back to your country? Go back to your, you know, he, he wasn't saying it maliciously, but he, he was very confused why a 15 year old kid was sitting in front of him. To me, I had already made the money. To me, in my mind, I, I was at that success. I just hadn't collected the money. To him, he saw a little Iranian kid sitting in front of him that he didn't understand why I was in this country, much less sitting in front of him, wasting his time. And I remember being in that elevator, being the most dejected I had ever been in my life at that point. And I remembered looking to the guy to the right of me and holding that attorney's business card in my hand that I took from his desk. And he wasn't very happy that I took his business card, by the way. He was that stingy. And I looked at the guy next to me, and I, I looked him in the eyes. And this was just a, a random guy in the elevator. And I said, fuck that guy. And he said, what? And I said, fuck that guy. And I was thinking to myself, 
I'm going to show him. Success is the greatest revenge. I remember walking out of that elevator and I kept that business card until a few years back. I had it pasted to everywhere I was using it as a motivator, using it as, is this fucking dude going to be right about me? Is that guy, that guy who was looking down at me sitting in that office going to be right about me? Or am I going to show him? I had a, uh, another interesting story that now that you're asking, I worked at a copy shop. I had lots of odd jobs. And usually they didn't know that I didn't have a place to live. Usually I lied. I said I lived with my parents or my uncle, or I said something like this so that they would employ me. Because if you told them you didn't have a place to live, they wouldn't employ you. So I was working at a copy shop making copies. And I remember the boss was like this cartoon villain. You know, this little man with a little mustache and he had a cane. And this guy found out from one of the other employees that I had nowhere to live. Now, you would think that would give him some empathy. I would come into work. I was clean. I, I did my job. I never stole. I was I was model employee. But sometimes I would get tired because it's difficult when you don't have a place to live. I would fall asleep behind the copy machine on my breaks. Not a big deal. He came in one day catching me sleeping behind the copy machine. And I woke up to a cane hitting my butt. He was literally hitting me with a cane and kicking me out of the copy shop. He never paid me for that week's salary. And I remember feeling dejected again, another stumbling block in my success. I didn't have enough money to eat. I didn't have anywhere to live. This guy, just for falling asleep behind the copy machine. Now, fast forward six months later, I had made a billion dollars in revenue. I had a brand new Ferrari. I always wanted one of those red Ferraris in Russell Corso. They're not red, they're Russell Corso. Mm -hmm. I remember walking in and buying this thing. The, The smell of the Italian leather, the sound of that engine. And I was driving to one of the most expensive restaurants in all of LA. It was in Beverly Hills, West Hollywood area. And I had a beautiful super supermodel girl who was my date for the evening. And we pulled up to the restaurant. The valets jumped out. The paparazzi are out there taking pictures. Oh, my God, I think it's the ecstasy kid. It's the ecstasy kid. Everyone's taking pictures. The model gets out. The valets open the doors for her, and she is gorgeous. High heels, looking beautiful, walking out. I get out. I've got long hair. And I look out the corner of my eye. And there he is my cartoon villain boss. And he does a take. And then he does a second take. And he thinks I don't notice him or he, he's, he's, this is not registering for this man. Right. And I look at him and he is progressively turning red. I throw the keys to the valet and I walk over to him and I say, hi, he's not registering. He has this blank look on his face. And I walk up to him. And I shake his hand. I say, remember me, Shaheen. And he's shaking and getting redder and redder and redder. And I say, I got to get back. And I walk back into the restaurant as the people taking the pictures. And I just look back. And in that moment, I knew that I had made it. Success is the greatest revenge. Awesome. So tell us about your book. Hmm. Thanks for asking. It's right there. So my book called Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult is the story of herbal ecstasy. And I tell that story and many others. 
I tie them into all the things I learned in those years about how you become successful, how you make money, how you find a niche, and then you dominate it. What the three keys are that anybody could follow to get from zero to hero in a very short period of time. It's called Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. And it's available now on Amazon. We just dropped the audiobook, so you can get it on Audible. Um, I also have a podcast called Hack and Grow Rich. If anybody wants to subscribe to that, subscribe, like, dislike, tell me how much you hate me. And those are, those are really the best ways to get a hold. But if anybody who's, who's interested, um, the book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, it's out now. Uh, we just got a film deal for it. So the film will be coming out in a couple of years. But um, if anything I said inspired you, please check out my book and, and do let me know what, what you think. So what else do you do now, Shine, besides your Amazon mastery course? Man, I, I'm a family guy. I travel with my family all over the world, or at least we did before COVID. And while we're traveling, we're making money. We sell on Amazon. That's, that's my goal. I make my money selling on Amazon. I don't make my money selling courses or books or any of that stuff. Um, I'm thankful to Jeff Bezos for what he's done, building the greatest e-commerce platform known to man. And I try to teach and inspire others to achieve predictable recurring revenue where they don't have to sell their hours. Every time somebody comes and tells me, hey man, a year ago, I took your course, I started an Amazon business, and today I went in and I gave the middle finger to my boss and told him to fuck off. And now I travel with my family, I, my time is my own, I take great vacations, I, I live a life of fulfillment and meaning. That makes me happy. And that's my, that's my goal now. Look, I mean, I, I've, I've made my money many times over. And what I enjoy doing now, Rajiv, is inspiring people, inspiring people to become the best versions of themselves. You know, one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, how you were looking to do something, you know, uh, you went through your struggles and all that, and then you, you, pretty much zeroed in on what you wanted to do. And very quickly that grew into a pretty large business. You know, we live in times now where that's possible. You know, a lot of people thought that was not possible some time back, right? So now we have companies that could have started a year or two ago and are probably unicorns by, you know, in about two years or three years. Or now we have companies that are a trillion dollar, two trillion and moving on, uh, which was not thought impossible before. But you're talking about having done that several years ago, before this entire internet craze and cryptos and all that stuff was around. Nowadays, you have a lot of these uh, crypto meme kinds, you know, any Tom, Dick and Harry can sit as his computer, put a coin together and in about three days time, you could have four or five million dollars in the account and then they rug pull which is sad, but that, that's the truth of today. So when you look back at what you did and when you achieved it, you did it at a time when people thought they needed several years of exposure before they got to forget about that level of success, maybe part of that level of success. So what was going on in your mind? You know, what, what was different about you that made it possible for you? I had no choice. The alternative for me wasn't going back home. The alternative for me wasn't going to college. I had no choice. I had burned my ships. The alternative for me, there was none. 
It was to succeed or to succeed. And that's what made it different. And I had grit. I came to this country getting my ass kicked every day, every day in school, every single day. I thought that's what you did in school. You came and you got your ass kicked. I, I didn't speak English. Language was hard for me. I had to bring myself up by building a system where I had discipline. I had to be better than everybody else growing up with learning disabilities. I learned later on in life, much later, that I had learning disabilities, mild dyslexia, all kinds of things where I had to work even harder, even harder to learn the language, even harder to be accepted in the culture. And that was okay because for me, it all made me stronger. They say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think that was really true. I think I ingrained it, engraved it in my, in my personal DNA. That's awesome. I think that that's, that, that's what I feel made me different. And now I, I'm sure much like you, I've got thick skin. Right. You so, know, you know, the, yeah. the challenges that you talk about, which, which is very true, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, when you're in a corner, when you have no choice, when you have all the challenges and stumbling blocks of uh, getting accustomed to a culture, a country, the language, though that's one set of challenges, right? When you're struggling, that's another set of challenges. But, you know, you, you actually put together a business that started scaling up so quickly. And that's a totally different set of challenges where, you know, it's, it's no longer a one-man thing, right? You got you to gotta have a process in place. You got to have a system in place and, and those kinds of things. What were some of those challenges that you faced? Well, I write, write about it in my book. There was a certain point in history where the mob wanted to get involved and take over your business. That was a pretty serious challenge. And I write a story about how I was flown to Tokyo uh, on a private jet. And unbeknownst to me, we were meeting with the Yakuza, the Japanese mafia that wanted to take over my business. And I had to become a very crafty negotiator to make sure that my head and fingers were all intact. And I left that negotiation intact for the most part. And I tell that story in my book, if anybody wants to hear it. Um, there was also challenges with the government. Look, when you ride under the radar, when you have marginal success, it's okay. But when you start shaking the grass, the snakes come out. What I mean by that is if you make enough of an impact in the world, you start learning that you have enemies. And no successful man or woman has ever reached the pinnacle of success, the pinnacle of excellence without having some enemies. And I, I often say this is one of my favorite quotes from my book. And I always say it when I give talks and people are shocked, but it's while you are sleeping, your enemies are planning your demise. And if you don't have any enemies, you are not trying hard enough. Success breeds jealousy. Success breeds competition. And we live in a society now where people think that they're going to get a, a prize for being second place. They're going to get a trophy for participating. And what I want to tell everybody is that the real world, the world of business is competitive as fuck. It doesn't work that way. You may even get first place and there's somebody waiting behind you to bonk you behind the head and take that first place from you. So you have to be crafty. You have to be cunning. You have to be aggressive. 
That's how you win in business. And it's, it's an unpopular thing to say. We like to think that life is win-win and negotiations are win-win and everything's great. My, my uh, good friend, Chris Voss, who wrote the book, Never Split the Difference, will tell you that that kind of win-win negotiating is a thing of the past. And, and by the way, I recommend to all your audience to check out his book, Never Split the Difference. It's one of the top business books in the country right now. And I'm, I'm ever learning from Chris about negotiation and, and how you do that. But at the end of the day, you have to build your own system and you have to follow those principles, but your system has to be malleable. The reason why bamboo, you know, bamboo, like bamboo forests, the reason why bamboo is such a resilient plant isn't because of its rigidity. I think this was in Bruce Lee's book, uh, Dao Jeet Kune Do. I'm, I'm a student mm-hmm. of his teachings. And he talks about how, uh, or he may have written it somewhere else, but he talks about how bamboo is so strong, not because of its rigidity. If it was super rigid, you would hit it and it could break with enough force. The fact that it's pliable, the fact that it can almost bend all the way to the ground and then back to 100 feet is what makes it such a powerful plant that you can build buildings from it. You can build ladders from it. It's the fact that it's rigid, that, that it's non-rigid, the fact that it's flexible. And similarly, in business, as in life, you have to be flexible. What's true today may not be true in five minutes, may not be true tomorrow. So you have to be open to that. And you have to be open to seeing your own bullshit. You have to be open to saying, hey, man, these beliefs that I hold right now may not be serving me. And I might be better served with some other beliefs. So let me be open to suspending judgment and seeing if perhaps a different belief system can empower me. And if you can do that, sky's the limit. Awesome. You know, your, your story, I think, will make a very interesting movie. I look forward to it uh, whenever it comes out. And then, you know, you also remind me of another saying by, uh, I think it was by the Dubai Sheikh, who, who basically said, you know, my forefathers rode the camels. Uh, and, you know, then my father wrote something else and in Mercedes or something. And then, you know, I'm in uh, Corvettes and, you know, Porsches and Lamborghinis and all that. My sons and grandsons probably will go back to the camels is what he said. So, which basically is that, uh, like you said, right? It's great, it's determination. You have nowhere to go, but one way that is up and that's what you have. And like you said, the next generation, you're giving them all the comforts, but you got to teach them that grit. If they don't understand and learn that grit, they'll go, somebody else will pass them by. And and that's the true story of life. That's right, Rajiv. That's awesome. So Shaheen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story. We look forward to the book. Uh, Definitely the listeners should go and check out your course, the book as well, and your podcast. Before I let you go, one takeaway for the listeners, anything that you'd like to share with them? Yeah, I think... My takeaway is don't work in a vacuum. As entrepreneurs, we have this uncanny desire to want to do it all ourselves. And the fact is there are others out there who are where you want to be. There are others whose success you can model. And it's a shortcut. It's a hack. We teach about this in Hack and Grow Rich, our podcast. But reach out to me. 
Let me help you succeed. If you are thinking of starting an Amazon business, if you think you have a product idea or don't have a product idea, but see the success of Amazon and want to take part, let me help you build a business where you can create recurring revenue streams where you no longer have to sell your hours. Because at the end of the day, the key is we all have the same amount of hours. You don't want to get into the business of selling your hours. You want to seek freedom. What's freedom? The ability to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, how you want. And I, if I can inspire you to do that, if there's anything I can do, reach out to me directly by email. It's darkzess at gmail.com. That's D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. And I remain at your service. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and wish you the very best on your journey. Yay, Rajiv, we did it. Thank you for having me on.